All right, so our passage today we just heard is quite a good one. Similar to last week, there are so many layers of meaning packed in this one little story. And like last week, it is a story that people throughout the centuries have been trying to process, to reflect on, to try and figure out exactly what's going on and how does this have something to say to me today. So, we're in Genesis, meaning we're back at the very, very beginning of the Bible. And our story starts with a man named Jacob, the grandson of a man named Abraham. Now, decades ago, Jacob had fled his home because he aggravated his now murderous brother Esau. And so he fled, but now, decades later, Jacob's returning home. And along the way, his entire party goes ahead and he stays behind. And this is where our story begins. So that night... Jacob sees a man. Well, or is it a man, a figure, a being, a something? I don't know. It's not clear. But as the story says, they start wrestling. But the story goes about introducing it in a very odd sort of way. Here, listen to this verbatim. Jacob stayed apart by himself, right? So meaning he stayed behind while everybody else went ahead, right? He stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled him until the break of dawn. What? Wait, wait. so like, no lead-in, no context, no explanation, no nothing about the man or why they're wrestling, just boom, you're just into it, and they're wrestling. Okay, that's weird, but wait for it. So this mystery guy sees that he's losing, and so somehow makes Jacob's hip pop out of its joint. And the text isn't really clear with what happens. I mean, maybe it's magic, maybe it's he's fighting dirty, but who knows? But But Jacob still doesn't let go, despite the fact that he had his hip wrenched out of the socket. His hip was out of joint. And because we haven't had enough weird stuff yet, the man is like, let me go, I need to get away before daybreak. Because he's a vampire? I don't know. But for some reason needs to get away before dawn breaks. All right. But does Jacob let him go? No. Not a chance. Not a chance. I mean, at this point, you can't just tap out. You've been fighting for the whole night. And so you can't just say, oh, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'll see you later. Right? It's of course not. You can't do that. And so Jacob demands of this mystery man I won't let go until you bless me. Now, remember, this is back in the day. So, like, today, uh, in our c- kind of cultural context, right, we're, we're, not, we're, we're talking about a literate society, which we're not back then. So today, if we want something to be really serious, right, we think about uh, putting it in writing. So, right, you've got to get that in writing. Yes, right? And that's what makes it official. But... In oral cultures, like in many cultures throughout time and space, to the ancient Hebrews here, the spoken word is what is powerful. And uh, think of it like uh, an arrow, right? You pull it back, and then you say the word, meaning you let it fly, right? And it can't do anything to change its course or its impact. It's just going. And so like earlier in this story, Jacob 
stole his brother Esau's uh, blessing from his father. And when his father Isaac figured out about this, he was like, it's already gone. So for us, it's like, oh, it's just words. What's the big deal? Why, why can't you give it to Esau instead? But for them, the arrow had already been shot. It's gone. And so you can't undo that. And so it's, this blessing is this permanent, permanent, powerful thing. And so what does Jacob demand of his sparring partner? I will not let you go until you bless me. This powerful, unchangeable thing. And so this mysterious man gives up and not only gives him a blessing, but gives him a new name. So remember from last week, the significance of names, right? The marking this dramatic shift in one's life story. And so Jacob now received the name Israel, the one who wrestles with God. So much packed in this little statement. So good. First of all, notice the man says, you have fought with God and man and you have won. Sit with that for a second. Jacob, now Israel, won. Fascinating. And second, what is the deal with this mystery figure? I mean, seriously. I mean, so up to this point, he's just some obscure, confusing figure, right? We don't know anything about him. We don't know his name, don't know why he's fighting. But now, as the man names Jacob, we learn that Jacob fought with God. Fascinating. And so interpreters throughout the ages have been trying to figure out what in tarnation does this even mean, right? And who, who is this mystery thing? Who is it? And they never really come to an answer. I mean, so some folks are like, well, it's, it's a demon, and that's why he's wrestling him, and that's why he has to go before daybreak, is because he's a demon. It, it doesn't really work as much with the name part, and so some people say, oh, no, it's an angel of God, because obviously God doesn't have a human form, and so obviously it must be an angel. And some people say, yo, people, it says you fought with God, so it must be God in human form. Right? And so there's all these people trying to figure out what the heck is happening. But no matter which one you figure out, the moral of the story is it was not just some random dude. And somehow this was an interaction with the divine. All right. Third thing. You and I are both familiar with Israel, both biblical nation and modern nation, right? And remember, names are say something about you and yourself and your identity and the core of your very being. And is it not fascinating that this name that the nation Israel takes enshrines in its very being this, that's central to the understanding of what it means to live as the people of God is wrestling with God, we are the people who struggle with God. We are Israel. Now, isn't this profoundly compelling? I mean, just like Jacob, Israel is not to just passively give in to some almighty God who demands complete submission. It's No, they insist that the faithful following of God is wrestling. 
It's been enshrined in Judaism throughout the centuries. I mean, rabbis are famous for loving to argue with one another, and it's in the tussle that the truth emerges and that one interacts with, engages with God. And uh, think about it this way. So some people think of wrestling as something you would only do if you like hate God, right? Or if you have a lack of faith. Uh, it's, a, it's a deficit. It's a deficiency. But I, I think about it in a completely different way because right, when you're wrestling, right, you're wrestling with somebody, you are physically close to that person. You're locked in. You're touching. You're intimate. It's, it's engaging. It's interacting, right? And you're right in there. It's not a deficiency. It's being close. And unfortunately, though, Christianity has a not-so-helpful legacy around this question. We tend to go more toward metaphors of blind faith and, uh, you know, unwavering trust. And this legacy hasn't always been particularly helpful. Because think about what our tradition says, say, if you have doubt. No matter what, you've got to have faith, right? Which for us then translates into being blindly obedient, never asking tough questions, never pushing back, never putting God on trial, never disagreeing with God for the sake of God. But no, that's not right, because wrestling is not something to be avoided. No, when you wrestle with God, you are deeply engaged with the divine. It is, in fact, the wrestling, the doubting, the questioning, the yelling at God, the raging against the heavens, the disappointment and disgustedness with what's happening. It is in those very things that we are most closely engaging with God. And that's why it's so harmful when you attempt to silence that, to silence doubts and fears and questions and worries, just, just to tell them, there's a reason for everything, or, you know, just have faith, right? We shut down those doubts, because, be it because we think we already know the answer, be it because we're uncomfortable with it, be it because allowing those doubts to stand might threaten our own faith trying to silence that doubt, in fact, inhibits this deep, transformative experience with the divine. And note for Jacob, he won, he won, and he walked away with a blessing, a new name, and a limp that stayed with him for the rest of his life. Because when you wrestle with God, you cannot help but be transformed in that experience. So as you are moving through your life of faith, may you be free to doubt and to question and to wrestle for it is in this that you can most fully experience God. May it be so.